When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. A happy, happy, happy girl this evening, Joe Fortenbaugh, because uh-huh. the only thing I love more than the Miami Heat winning games is being right. And both of those things happened last night. Well, I would venture. First of all, you know what? Let me not start with the negative. Let me start with the positive. Jimmy Butler was incredible. Absolutely incredible. incredible. And the first part of your prediction has in fact come true, but one game does not a series make. So, so far you're in the driver's seat, but if Butler starts to fall off and Tatum comes back much like we saw in the Sixers series, I will be expecting a similar robust entrance to a a radio show. I mean, the production quality of that kudos to everybody involved, but man, you nailed it yesterday. You absolutely nailed it. What were you thinking while you're watching that? I was thinking this game is going exactly as I predicted that it was going to. And (laughs) in part, not because, not just because the Heat won, fine, but the way in which that it happened, right, where the Celtics were having the better first half. And I had said all season long, the Celtics have been the better team, obviously, but also they've been a dominant team the first three quarters of the game. And they've had their struggles in fourth quarters. That was true in the regular season when they were at, top, at the top of the East all season long as well. And so that's exactly what catches up with them last night. A very good team in the first half. First half, it looks like they're dominating even though that the Heat were able to sort of just not go away, right? Like they're down, what, nine, I think, as we went to the half. And it's like, all right, they're still in striking distance. It's not a 15-point lead kind of thing. But it didn't feel like the Heat were going to get it going and be able to compete. And then, of course, the halftime adjustments by Spo. They come out in the second half. They do what they do. They save themselves. And Jimmy Butler very obviously saves himself. And he very obviously saved himself for that third quarter. And he was unbelievable in that third quarter. In that third quarter, he was darn near Michael Jordan, which is what I said. He's not Michael Jordan because he can't do it for, you know, obviously an extended period of time. But he can do it in snippets. He can do it in moments. He did it in the third quarter last night. Jason Tatum did not show up at all in the fourth quarter last night and that's why you get a Miami Heat victory and a Celtics coming off of a game seven maybe there was some hangover there I think you had a rookie coach being out coached there were several factors last night how the hell do you give up 46 points in a quarter in the NBA in the postseason when you've got one of the higher ranked defenses still remaining I, that it is just mind-boggling to me what took place in that quarter 46 points Miami hung on Boston. Miami won that game by seven. They outscored the Celtics by 21 points in the third quarter. For the game, for the game, and this is where it's going to get very interesting when we start talking about game two, Miami shot 51% from three-point range. They were Mm -hmm. 16 of 31. I'm not sure that that's going to be the type of thing they can maintained throughout the course of the series, but they don't need to do it for the next six. They just need to figure out how to do it three times in the next six outings.
Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic device, and pet health insurance. That third quarter from the Miami Heat, one of the best quarters that we've seen in postseason history, frankly. And you would think that when a team's on that kind of run, that maybe the opposing team's head coach would, you know, call a timeout to try to reset, slow down the momentum of the team that's on a quite literally a historic run in a single quarter. Well, Joe Mazzula did not do that. And so, of course, the Celtics head coach was asked at his postgame presser about not calling a timeout in the third. You said they played harder than you in the third quarter. That's what they do. They play harder than their opponent. How are you guys unprepared for that? And we, we were prepared. We played harder than them in the first half, and then they outplayed us for one quarter. So we were prepared for it. We had the right mindset heading into the game. But that, that, no, 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 we had the right mindset heading into the game. We played harder than they did, and we were prepared, and we did a great job. The made all the difference, right? It did, but we were prepared, and then we let go of the rope. And so there's two storylines here. It's one, we were ready to play, and we had a great job executing on both ends of the floor in the first half, and it's about the consistency of – they're going to continue to play. And so we have to be prepared um, for when we do outplay them that they're going to respond and we have to respond. And so we were prepared. We just let go of the rope. Yeah, why did you let go of the rope? I don't know. It's a great question. Oh, come on. Come on. Snarky Joe Missoula. We've been, we've been seeing this side of him now. Stemming back to even last series, I brought this up to James at one point in one of our pre-show meetings. Like, that Missoula, he's getting real testy with the media over and over again for a 34-year-old coach and a rookie head coach, and here we are once again. So you're going to go ahead and fight with the reporter from a semantic standpoint all the way up until the reporter's like, fine, fine. So why'd you let go of the rope? I don't know. Great question. Really? Feels like you might want to get to the bottom of that, Missoula, because a 46-point third quarter once again put your team behind the eight ball. Same thing happened in the Philadelphia series, and you survived. But, you know, how much of that was Philly being Philly versus Boston being Boston? Because game six was not an impressive performance by any standards on behalf of the Celtics, but they were able to get a win because the Sixers were so god-awful. Got to give some roses to Bam Adebayo. Jimmy Mm -hmm. Butler always gets the headline when it comes to this sort of thing, as he should. He's the alpha dog. But Adebayo was a monster going 9 of 13 from the field in that game and playing elite defense. He was getting the ball down low, and he was attacking the rim. There was a sequence in the third quarter, I believe, much to Missoula's dismay, where they got him the ball. He immediately turned, ripped, went to the basket, knocked it down, and went to the free throw line. Now, I believe he ended up missing the free throw, but he caught Jason Tatum out of position there. That's what Miami needs to do. They need to be hungrier. They need to be more aggressive. That's their mindset, that they are going to come up with more steals, more blocks, more loose balls, more jump balls. They're going to win all the dirty stuff, all the stuff where you have to get down and you have to fight. That's where they're going to make the difference. That's where they're going to beat you in the margins. And if you don't have a great shooting night as a result, you're going to end up losing. Yeah, and that's exactly what I said yesterday. Really pay attention to the turnover margins here. The Celtics traditionally are not a team that's sloppy with the basketball. The Heat, though, have a tendency to make teams sloppy with the basketball. You saw some of that last night. I'm glad you brought up Bam and his aggressiveness. As a Heat fan, a lack of aggressiveness from him has been infuriating over the years. And I know he's still developing and still learning, but even this season so many times, and we saw it in the postseason last season, and we saw it in the postseason against this exact team last 
last season when it went seven and when the team overall pushed the Celtics to what was one shot away from an NBA Finals, Bam still in that series was allowing Robert Williams to eat his lunch money over and over and over again. And you saw it in the first half of this game at first. And the Celtics were dominating the glass. And I thought, oh no, here we go again. And then Bam came out aggressive. And it's what Heat fans are always screaming for. Be aggressive, Bam. Be aggressive. And he was aggressive in that game last night. That's what you need if you're the Heat. If he doesn't keep that up, then the Heat don't stand much of a chance against this Boston Celtics team. But that was certainly a key performance for the Miami Heat. The way Joe Missoula is handling these things doesn't really speak well, I don't think, frankly, for maybe this team's overall mentality in the postseason. Like, I don't know if he's setting the right tone. I don't want to read too much into it, but it's like the frustration. He's throwing the clipboard in game one. It's game one, buddy. Like, you're already this frustrated by Eric Spolstra out coaching you. It is game one. And it almost feels like with the timeouts that he's doing it to spite us at this point, right? Like, he calls a timeout, I think, with two or three minutes left in the fourth. Because he said, well, you know, it's either use it or lose it. It's like, all right, but why didn't you use it in the third then? <laughs> and then you wouldn't have been in a use it or lose it situation. Yeah. It's I, just you're, odd. You're, the mindset for using a timeout should not be use it or lose it. It should be a timeout in this situation would be most optimal for our decision making in the course of trying to win this game. That's why you call the timeout. You don't call it for any reason other than the fact that it's the best thing to do in that situation. I love the fact that he's showing the passion. I love the fact that. Everybody who thought this was just going to be a cakewalk series. Remember, yesterday, Boston was minus 500 to win this series. That means you have to risk $500 to win 100. Right now, you only have to risk $196 to win 100. (laughs) Those odds have been slashed by more than half because suddenly people are realizing maybe the Heat have more than a 3% chance of winning this series. Just maybe. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, I want to talk about the Heat all show long, but... They've overruled me. They said, we got to spend a little time on what's going to happen tonight in Denver. So should the Nuggets be worried about the adjustments that the Lakers made in the second half of that game of game one of the Western Conference Finals? We'll get into the West. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. 
Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Tune in tonight. Game two of the NBA Western Conference Finals is the Nuggets host the Lakers presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Before we get into Western Conference Finals game two, let's go ahead and get the advice from Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. One and one last night, minus half a unit. Overall as a show, 117, 108, plus 13.46 units. Still have three bets pending. Haney by decision, minus 160 Saturday night. Uh, Roy Morataya earlier on the undercard to win his fight, minus 200. And then Matsuyama over Spieth in a four-round matchup. We'll keep you updated on all of those. First pizza money of the night, Denver and the Lakers going under 227 total points. Shocking, I know, because we saw an offensive explosion in game one. I am buying regression for game two and some adjustments as well. The two teams combined to shoot 55% from the floor in game one while knocking down a combined 46% of their three-point attempts. I don't see that happening again. I think the adjustments are going to be made. The pace is going to drop off. And as we see often in NBA playoff series, as the series wears on, the scoring tends to drop off because the teams get familiar with what the other team's trying to do, and they're able to counter it better. Pizza money number one for this evening, Lakers, Nuggets under 227 total points. Jokic with one will rise, contested triple, goes home at the end of the third. A rainbow finding the pot of gold. Sends it ahead to Murray, lobs it for Gordon, who clutches it home! And they're on their feet in Denver. The Denver Nuggets take the opener of the Western Conference Finals, 132-126 the final. They're a good team, so uh, we just have to stay resilient, but I think we did a good job executing both ends throughout the game. That is what game one sounded like on ESPN radio. A heck of a game. Another heck of a game from Nikola Jokic. I mean, that dude's unbelievable, Joe. And he was unbelievable in game one. He ended the game with 34 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists. And for the majority of that game, it looked like the Nuggets were going to blow out the Lakers, particularly there in the first half. Now, the Lakers made some adjustments at halftime. They made things a little bit more interesting towards the end of the game. The final Final score looks close, 132 to 126. The majority of the game, though, didn't feel that close, Joe. So here's what you want to watch going into game two, because this is the top storyline of the night. What happened late in game one, Lakers are getting blown out. Anthony Davis is primarily responsible on primarily responsible on defense for guarding Nikola Jokic, who's having a huge night. Not only is Jokic going off, but this is pulling Davis away 
from his natural spot lower on the floor in the paint, anchoring down and defending everybody else, that it freed up everybody on the Nuggets to score and have a big night. Everybody. So late in the game, Darvin Ham makes an adjustment. No more Anthony Davis on Nikola Jokic. That is going to fall to Rui Hachimura. Rui's going to step in. He's going to defend Jokic. And we're going to see what's going to happen because that's going to allow Davis to move back to his more natural fit of playing what they call a bit of a free safety role on defense. And that was the difference. Jokic still continued to get his, but look at what happened with everybody else. The Denver offense didn't flow nearly, nearly as efficiently after that adjustment was made. So that's the key tonight. Hachimura, you're probably going to see him on Jokic early in the game. And then what's going to be the counter for the Nuggets as they try to win game two and take a commanding lead in this series. Yeah, Hachimura on Jokic worked. Putting AD on Aaron Gordon, it worked. That in-game adjustment at the time because of exactly what you just said, Joe, where being a free safety means that you have a Jokic or an Anthony Davis able to patrol that paint area. He's able to block shots. He's able to lurk in the passing lanes. But that was an in-game adjustment. So it worked in-game. Is it going to work moving forward? Michael Malone, the Nuggets head coach, says maybe not. And much is being made of them putting Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic like we've never seen that before. There's this kind of discussion being based that, like, even though the Lakers lost, you know, they're walking out of here last night like they think they've got something. I'll bet you every red penny I have that Darvin Ham would rather be up 1-0 than down 0-1. I love that sound. I love that sound because that is exactly what I feel like the narrative has been since game one. Like the Lakers lost and a lot of the narrative, you wouldn't think that they did because they made these adjustments. And so a lot of people feel really confident here going into game two. Well, all they have to do is put Achimura on Jokic and we're good to go. They figured the formula out. Well, the Nuggets now are ready for that. And the Nuggets have seen it before. And you assume that Malone's going to have an answer for this as well. More so than anything regarding the chess match that takes place on the court, I love the confidence of Malone in that response. I love the confidence. You're right in that the narrative coming off that game is focused more on the Laker loss than the Denver win. That's natural. You have to understand how media works. If you don't, we'll give you a quick study on it. People want to hear about the stars. Yeah, that means Jokic to an extent, but it mostly means LeBron. It mostly means Anthony Davis. Because if the Lakers win, it's good for business. If the Lakers are losing, it's good for business because it's something to talk about. Denver's a team people are suddenly becoming interested in, but they don't carry nearly the same Q rating that the Lakers do. So if you're Mike Malone in the Nuggets, you're coming off this game one win, you think people are going to talk about how maybe we've undervalued this team. Maybe we've underestimated them. Maybe they are the best team in the NBA. No, you're not going to get that. What you're going to get is that the Lakers put it on you late. You almost blew the game and that the Lakers are going to come back and win game two. And then the series is shifting to L.A. 1-1. I love the fact that Malone's got the confidence that he's got. And I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if Denver went out there tonight and won again. They're five and a half point favorites. They were six and a half point favorites in game one. Both teams, not just the Nuggets, both teams shot the lights out in game one. It's going to be very difficult to replicate those that outcome. And that's one of the reasons why we like the under tonight, because I think this is going to be a much lower scoring game. 
The truth is, in this business, the tanks aren't, I don't think, as purposely slanted as people think that they are, but we are all victims of our own biases, right? And we all have them. Like, maybe my heat takes aren't the most unbiased opinions on planet Earth. No, I wouldn't say that. I will say most people in our business want the Lakers to do well at any given moment because, like you said, they rate. And if they're winning, then they're going to stay in the discussion and the discussion is going to rate better because the Lakers are one of those franchises that rates highly. And so I do think sometimes there is this sub uh, subconscious bias that goes into the coverage coming off of these wins where you're right. The talk ends up centering around more what the Lakers did less what the nuggets did because they tend to not be the same ratings wise or the same sort of draw franchise wise, but the nuggets were absolutely incredible. They've been the best team in the West all season long, and they look like it. It's a recency bias sort of thing. You know, we haven't seen them do it before, so we're not really willing to buy in. We've seen the Lakers do it before. We're more willing to buy in. But that's how you can exploit inefficiencies in a marketplace because so many people think like that, and it tends to be flawed thinking. It does tend to be a bit flawed thinking. We are going to get some help with the conversation. Breaking down this game, coming up here next on ESPN Radio, More Nuggets, Lakers. Again, that coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. The tip-off in that game is at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hearing Jay call him Hemi Butler just makes me so happy. Just speaks to my soul. We are a little less than 30 minutes away from coverage beginning of Lakers Nuggets Game 2. That coverage is right here on ESPN Radio and, of course, on Sirius XM Channel 80. We are going to get more into Game 2, bring in some help with the conversation in just moments. But first, Joe's got a little bit more advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, we open the show by giving you under 227 points in the Nuggets-Lakers showdown. We've got two player props from that game, both center along D'Angelo Russell. We're going to go under 20.5 par. That's points plus assists plus rebounds. Under 20.5, as well as under 4.5 assists for D'Angelo Russell. Both props are a little juicy, minus 140, but here's the rationale. Didn't do a lot in game one. Had his minutes cut and limited even more so towards the end of that game. 
and this just doesn't feel like a series for him. It's not necessarily to knock D'Angelo Russell. Styles make fights, and again, stylistically, this does not feel like a fight that's going to require 25, 30 minutes from Russell. I think the Lakers go in another direction, and I think tonight, if I'm right, this might be the last chance you get to beat these prices because the bookmakers will end up adjusting. So pizza money two and three, D'Angelo Russell under 20.5 par, that's points, assists, plus rebounds, and under 4.5 assists. Jokic with one will rise, contested triple, goes home at the end of the third. A rainbow finding the pot of gold. The Denver Nuggets take the opener of the Western Conference Finals, 132-126 the final. The final score looked close. The majority of the game wasn't nearly as close. Let's bring in some help with the conversation as we head into game two tonight. Ohm Young Masuk, ESPN NBA reporter, joining us here on Joe and Amber. And Ohm, thanks so much for joining us. Let's start with Jokic because, I mean, listen, Jokic doing Jokic things at this point, right? 34 points, 21 boards, 14 assists in game one. The Lakers did make some adjustments there in the second half. They did try to help themselves. But they didn't stop Jokic. I mean, you can't really stop Jokic, I suppose. But if they were to attempt to do that tonight, how would they go about doing it? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, don't tell Michael Malone that the Lakers had a little success or may have found something in the fourth quarter against Nikola Jokic because he has really been pushing back on that narrative. Uh, pre-game today, he said this is the first time he's been in a series where the Nuggets won the first game but it feels like the series is over for them. Sorry, there's some sort of sound check going on here, but it feels like the, the series is already over for the Nuggets. He, he's really pushing that whole thing where he feels like a lot of people are acting as if the Lakers won game one and that they found something that they really can hang their hat on. And they're saying, like, listen, we've seen every defense there is. We saw this just uh, last month. Minnesota, you know, put another defender, Nikola Jokic, to allow Rudy Gobert to kind of roam the paint. That didn't work. Um, they faced it against Philadelphia when they put P.J. Tucker and Nikola Jokic to free up Joel Embiid. So they feel like they're going to have a counter for this. On the Lakers' side, I think you got to try it a little bit to maybe see if you can go big so you can pack the paint and force Denver to have to do something with Aaron Gordon and keep him out of the dunker spot, whether they try to move him around the perimeter or try to play Michael Porter Jr. more. You found something that worked a little bit there to free up Anthony Davis, and I think you're going to have to continue to find ways to double-team him, but maybe do it in a way where you can surprise him a little bit. Oh, on one hand, when you look at the box score for the way Denver shot in game one, you'd say there's no way it's sustainable. They're going to come back down to earth, and that's how the Lakers will capitalize. The problem is the Lakers shot out of their minds as well in game one. Both teams were on par in terms of three-point shooting and overall field goal shooting. Anthony Davis and LeBron James put up 66 points on 59% shooting from the floor. It kind of sounds familiar to what we saw in the last series where Durant and Booker were putting up huge nights, but it wasn't enough to get past Denver. Who else is going to be that third scoring option if the Lakers are going to get past? Is it going to be Austin Reeves? Yeah, I think it's got to be Austin Reeves. I think they need D'Angelo Russell. I know I heard you talking about the props earlier. I was just watching D'Angelo Russell warm up. Um, I thought it was very curious that the Nuggets yesterday came out and said, Bruce Brown said we were going to attack D'Angelo Russell on defense and really kind of just force him to have to guard us because we know he's not that good of a defender. And then they ended up playing D'Angelo Russell off the floor. He didn't play in the fourth quarter. 
So I think the Lakers know they need a little bit more. I'm, I tend to agree with you. I don't think it's sustainable the way the Denver Nuggets were shooting and then even the Lakers in the second, second half. Lakers shot, they scored 72 points, and I think they shot like almost 68% in that second half. So Denver's defense wasn't that good. And you're right. I mean, we did see it in the second round. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, especially Devin Booker, was getting a lot of the shots that he wanted. It's just that the Lakers could not get any stops on Denver because Denver was shooting so well. I think tonight we should see a lower-scoring game. I'd be very, very surprised if we saw another offensive explosion the way we did in Game 1. Om Young Masuk, ESPN NBA reporter, joining us here. We are just about a little over 20 minutes away from coverage beginning of Lakers Nuggets Game 2 right here on ESPN Radio. The Lakers, Om, in a different position than they've been in in this postseason, losing Game 1 for the first time this postseason. How do you think that affects the mentality heading here into Game 2? I think the Lakers have to feel confident. I mean, like, you know, they should have been blown out in Game 1, and yet, like, they still kind of stayed within striking distance. Denver led by 21 in the first half or and maybe like in a little bit in the early in the third, but like they should have led by a lot more as, as hot as they're shooting. So if I'm the Lakers, I feel like we took one of your best shooting games. We took an incredible three quarters from Nikola Jokic where he had a triple-double already midway through the third, and yet we still cut this down to three points. We were within a LeBron James shot of tying the game late. Um, and we didn't have our great, our best game. I, I think the Lakers pro- will probably come in feeling confident. As far as the Denver Nuggets are concerned, they'll probably look at this like Michael Porter Jr. said. He kind of looked at it from the other point saying, I- I'm kind of glad we didn't blow them out by 20 because then we wouldn't be as focused as we were um, in the film session knowing that we did a lot of things wrong and there were a lot of things we need to clean up, and we know that this is going to be a battle for the rest of the series. So. Uh, Denver's been incredible at home. They've lost there just seven times all season long. All of them were in the regular season, so they're very confident on this floor. But I do think that the Lakers have to have a measure of confidence and feeling like they have some momentum coming out of game one. Om Young Masuk, ESPN NBA reporter. Om, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Again, coverage of that game begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. 8.30 p.m. is the tip-off of that game. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Get a business insurance quote online in as little as six minutes. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. So Damian Lillard, Joe, uh, had some interesting tweets today. He is inserting himself here in the postseason talk, even though he's not playing in a postseason. He had retweeted a tweet from somebody who had suggested that maybe fans want to trade away Damian Lillard and he said if the fans want to trade me start the petition and send it in what do you make of Damian Lillard and his subtweets it's an interesting <laughs> the content we can get from the tweets and the Instagrams and the oh my god Kyler Murray unfollowed all of the Arizona Cardinals what does it mean it means he's probably a little bit immature and he's waiting to get paid and then everything's going to be fine. What did Lillard's people on interesting... sports talk radio talk about before social media existed? <laughs> right, That's like, what I want to know. Exactly. Like, how would you come up with content when people weren't following and unfollowing each other on social right? media? My God, the, the, the stone ages of this, of this <laughs> enterprise. I would throw it out and say this. It, I don't see it as anything more than Lillard probably goofing around, maybe having a little bit of fun in the offseason. 
everything about Dame Lillard from the start of his career until now suggests that the guy does things in a first-class professional way. He's never struck me as a guy who's going to run the social media and he's going to kind of, what is it, like subtweet when, they, when they're talking mm-hmm. about trying to get a message out but you're not saying it directly. He doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. He's from Oakland. Like, if he's got an issue, I think he's going to go to the front office and he's going to say it. So my first initial thoughts on all of this is that Lillard's just having some fun goofing around because if there's anything he really wants done, I think he can go to the team and just talk to him about it. My initial reaction was maybe Damian Lillard is sort of now using the fans as his way out. Like, this is him essentially giving light to the few fans that are negative about Damian Lillard. Because, listen, those fans are going to be there anyways. Their friends are there forever. I'm sure there's fans that want to trade Jokic or trade LeBron, right? Like, you can find them if you really, really want to search for them. And I was wondering if that's what he was doing here, was sort of uncovering them, giving them a little light, and then using that as his way to be like, well, see, they don't want me here anyways. Or make himself feel a little bit better about maybe his desire to finally leave that organization that he's always been so loyal to. Now, a fan did tweet him and said in as much he said lol you ain't low you want to leave but trying to get the fans to push you out so that accusations essentially made dame retweeted that tweet and wrote i've been on the same team for over a decade lol i'm just saying if the people got different wishes with a shrugging the shoulder emoji and this is a classic example of why you can't allow twitter to dictate If you're on radio, your content, if you're on TV, your content, if you're just someone who follows this stuff, it's an echo chamber. It's a very small, minuscule minority representation of what is happening out in the world. And I don't mean that from a political standpoint or anything other than the fact that if you go outside in Portland and start asking people about Dame Lillard, a healthy, healthy majority are going to tell you that A, they love him, B, they don't want him going anywhere. But on Twitter, you might have a small handful of individuals who are all upset about something, so they start this movement, and suddenly Dame's retweeting it, and now it feels like, oh my God, do the people of Portland want Dame Lillard gone? They do not want him gone. They love him. He's one of their favorite sons. So there might be a couple people screaming, trade him, bring in assets, but the reality is the majority, heavy, heavy majority, want to keep him in tow. There's all these psychological studies done about what can happen to your psyche in the social media age and what they found psychologically speaking from a human nature perspective is we are more likely to remember the one negative comment, right? The one negative tweet, the one insult than we are the 100 compliments that we get and that's sort of human nature. And so you have to always keep that in mind when you're sifting through your own social media, particularly if you're somebody who has a very public job like me and you or like Damian Lillard. I would imagine though that Dame knows that. And so I just wonder with him retweeting these tweets now, and sort of getting into this conversation that we haven't seen him often get into or often address if there's reasons for that. That's more what I find interesting about this. The fact that he's even addressing it at all seems like something new from Damian Lillard. You got the sort of interesting quotes from him right after his season ended that already it started to finally feel like maybe there's some cracks in that foundation. Maybe he would consider leaving. And now here we are with maybe some more evidence that at least the thought has crossed his mind. So we'll see what happens there moving forward in Portland. Coming up next, though, we got to get back into the conference finals in both conferences. I, of course, want to talk about the Heat. But they're probably going to make me talk a little bit more about the Lakers and the Nuggets. That's next. <laughs> ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast.
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. What was that? That was Blades of Steel. If I'm not mistaken, that was a skate random... to one song and one. It's clearly Will Ferrell, and if it's yeah. skate to one song and one song only, that's his skating movie. Is it called Blades of Steel? Do I have that right? No, Blades like, of Glory. Blades, Blades of Steel of Glory. was the Nintendo hockey game. That's it. Yeah. Wow. So close. I would have had no idea. I don't have any idea about any of those movies. Uh, but perhaps but more importantly, why you figured that out? Why was that played? <laughs> that I, think I don't think we know. I think <laughs> Ben is really My throwing guess off. Is that it was a mistake. Ben more is really important throwing off is, his game today listen, because I, I can explain. what is it doing in our it's, show? What, what, what is there to explain? You it's lost. A, you you watched your C's lose to the Heat one twenty three to one sixteen last night. You're off your game today. We now he's it. trying to sabotage the show because he's mad at you. <laughs> Amber's got no chill today, by the way, in case anyone has noticed. No chill. Like, she is going in on everybody. I'm here for it, by the way. Did you see, Ben, did you see Jimmy put up 35 last night, have a historic third quarter? I'm just just wondering, were you watching at that point? I was watching. I was also breaking a few things around the house at that point. That three-point shot, you know, once it bounced up, I had a little bit of hope, and when it went in, I just, like, shattered the remote. Yeah, that one that just bounced around the rim and still managed to go in. Oh, that and was then a I knew I had to moment. deal with this. So then I was, I wasn't, I wasn't really looking forward to it. You're looking at your schedule like, oh no, I have Amber tomorrow. Drink it on in, Joe and Amber. Uh, you are welcome, Ben. We are going to though get into the Western Conference Finals game two because we are taking you up to coverage. It begins at about ten minutes from now. Lakers Nuggets, and then of course that game tips off at eight thirty p.m. Before we get a little bit more into that game, though, let's try to earn you a little bit more money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. So to recap, under 227, Nuggets Lakers. D'Angelo Russell under 20 and a half par. That's points, assists, plus rebounds. D'Angelo Russell under four and a half assists. And now finally, Anthony Davis over three and a half stocks, which is otherwise referred to as steals plus blocks. So his steal total and his block total added together needs to equal four or more in order for me to win this wager. He had five in game one. He's reached this total in 10 of his last 13 playoff games. The key here was the late adjustment in game one where Davis was moved off of Jokic. Rui Hachimura was moved onto Jokic. And as a result, Davis was put into a position where he could be more comfortable from a defensive perspective in terms of range and getting after the Denver Nuggets, which is exactly what he did because that's what got the Lakers back into the game. I see more of that tonight with Hachimura on Jokic. So pizza money number four, Anthony Davis over three and a half steals plus blocks. Jokic with one will rise. Contested triple goes home at the end of the third. A rainbow finding the pot of gold. The Denver Nuggets take the opener of the Western Conference Finals. 132-126 the final. So both you and I felt good about Denver's chances in game one, Joe. And we were right. And we were certainly right 
for about three quarters of that game because it was dominance by Denver, particularly there in that first half. After those adjustments that you just referenced there in your pizza money, the Lakers seemed like maybe they were on to something. The first half started out brutal because they started out with, I believe, the lineup that you actually had predicted they were going to start out with, where they went small, where they had Dennis Schroeder and they had Austin Reeves and they had D'Angelo Russell, and it was much the same way that we saw them play with the Warriors, where they went small ball and it worked. Well, it did not work against Denver at all and that lineup got destroyed and so they made those halftime adjustments they bring in a bigger lineup and it ends up creating some offense for them and it ends up working on the Denver side of things Denver played spectacularly on offense you know Jokic is going to give you that defensively though it was not their best game I mean AD was still able to score 40 points LeBron 26 points you still had some incredible offensive performances by the Lakers I would imagine that we're going to see two teams that are going to try to build on what we saw in the second half of game one tonight what would worry me if I was a Lakers fan or supporter in this situation would be twofold number one Denver's confidence level it's one thing when you're the one seed and you've got home court advantage and you're going into game one to say you know what we are the better team we had the better regular season we should believe And then to go out in game one and just absolutely put it on the Lakers for three quarters, only for the Lakers to bounce back, only for you to throw yet another counterpunch and knock them out to win game one. The confidence level has to be through the roof. Now they believe. Now they know that they can win this series. That would worry me. Number two, how good are the Lakers? Good, yes, obviously. That goes without saying. But that series against Golden State, taking out the Warriors, did they beat a great Warriors team? Or did they beat a slightly above average Warriors team? Because handling them in six got a lot of love. It changed the odds. It got a lot of people on the Laker train saying this is going to be the year LeBron gets them back to the finals. But did they really beat top flight competition in that situation? Not saying Phoenix was all that great. They have two great players and nobody else. But I wonder if we've overvalued the Lakers a little bit. That's what would worry me if I was an LA fan. Because they shot the lights out in game one. The, The Nuggets committed more turnovers. They missed more free throws. And you still lost the game. That would worry me, Amber. It would worry me as well. I have always thought that the Lakers were being a bit overinflated this postseason, where it's like the opposite in the Eastern Conference with the play-in team and the Heat, where people have been sort of sleeping on them in the postseason, whereas over in the Western Conference, also, by the way, the Lakers a play-in team. It's like we seem to forget that as we got here. The Nuggets were not. The Nuggets are the dominant team all season long. They should be the better team. They're certainly the better team on paper. Joan Amber's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I feel good about the Nuggets again. Tonight, They are an undefeated team at Ball Arena in this postseason. I think that trend continues. I do think that what you just said is true about the Lakers. It's spectacular shooting performance from the Lakers. They still couldn't get it done when they put their best foot forward in that regard. Absolutely. Uh, What we have for sure is a great game tonight. It'll be interesting to see whether or not the Lakers come out swinging in the first quarter. I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets jumped all over them once again in preparation for A, the adjustments that are going to be made, and B, the fact that they did get snuck up upon at the end of game one. It'll be interesting to see how Mullen handles those adjustments. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.